The Good Reading Podcast is brought to you by Read, the monthly book subscription that pairs a new release book with a pampering gift delivered to your door. There are new books every month and nine genres to choose from. Why not spoil yourself or give the gift of a Read subscription today? Visit luxury.com.au to find out how. Gabe darted behind the knotted trunk of a mulga. It wasn't wide enough to hide him completely, but it was still better than nothing, and he didn't think they had seen him. The one with the gun was staring. No, grinning. He was grinning at his captive. Who holds a gun to someone's head and grins like that? No one good, that's who. The man on his knees was still pleading, and Gabe didn't need to know what was being said to understand the conversation. This was a scene straight out of a movie with Gabe the unwitting hero. You've got to be fucking kidding me. Gabe's ears pounded as his heart tried to jump out of his chest. Christ, now what? He stood there, both hands clenched around his rifle, breathing so hard he was sure the man with the gun would hear. He wiped his palms on his thighs, one at a time, in a futile attempt to stop them sweating, and did the same to his brow using his forearm. Think, Gabe, what are you going to do now? The pleas escalated, and Gabe knew they would soon be cut off completely. He took a deep breath, flicked off the safety, and spun around from behind the tree, sighting down the M1 at the armed man. Drop it, or you're fucked! There was a moment of stunned incomprehension as all three men turned towards his voice, and then things happened very quickly. Hello, and a very warm welcome to the Good Ready Podcast. Michael Trant has pursued a variety of careers, ranging from farmer to marine draftsman and pastoralist, and what he refers to as a fly-in, fly-out pot washer. His debut novel, Ridgeview Station, was published in 2017, but today I'm talking to Michael Trant about his new novel, Wild Dogs. Michael, welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Hey, Greg. Thanks for having us. Before we talk about wild dogs, uh, what exactly is a fly-in, fly-out pot washer? I gather it's not a professional kitchen clean-up service. No, we, I was just working on the mines and the only job I could get was on the catering crew um, and just ended up washing pots for most of the time, which suited me fine. <laughs> it sounds like you've done a lot of things in your life. Yeah, you sort of do what you have to and um, grew up on a farm and thought I better get a real job. So I went and did a trade and became a draftsman for a while and got sick of that and then went back to the farms and farms would get difficult for a while. So I did FIFO for a while and um, yeah, left the farms and now I'm down in Perth trying to be a writer. And how did you actually find your way into the writing game? Uh, through through the agriculture side of things, uh, a few years ago, there was a fair bit of stories flying around about farmers and what they were doing, which wasn't always correct. So it was a bit of a push on to get more agricultural people online and blogging and thing, because this is 10, 12, 15 years ago when there weren't very many farmers on Twitter and Facebook and stuff. And so, yeah, I just started blogging and that took off and people suggested I try and write a book. So I was on a sheep station, Gabion, at the time, and... We were doing tourism and things, so I thought, well, if I write a book, I'll self-publish it and then people can read the book. They'll recognise a few places and probably some of the characters. Um, and, yeah, I ended up leaving the station. My wife and I separated, and 12 months later, the book got picked up. We went, oh, so, yeah, that was very good. And a brilliant new career beckons. Yes, yep. So still, still working on farms at the moment, but, yeah, the idea is to pursue this full-time. You clearly have a comprehensive and first-hand knowledge of the uh, West Australian landscape. How does that make its way into your writing? Grew up around Eniaba on a farm there, which is in the Midwest of WA. When I was married, we bought a station out at Yalgoo, which is in the Murchison region. And to be honest, I wasn't out there all that often. I was looking after the farms in Geraldton, but I did spend 12 months out there. And it's just a beautiful landscape. Like It's not much fun trying to make money out of it, but 
it's a great place to live and work and um, it just sort of grew on me and it's a great setting for stories it's it's remote it's it's hot it's dry but you know it's beautiful at the same time when the rains come and the wildflowers pop out you don't see that anywhere else and I just thought it'd make a really good setting for a for a story and it does away with a lot of the trouble you have with stories with mobile phones now you can solve a lot of issues by just by ringing someone but you can't out there so that removes one obstacle you create so many compelling characters in Wild Dogs, particularly your central character, Gaber Hearn, a somewhat flawed but honourable individual. Uh, but I particularly like the way you balance his character with the, let's say, evil Rue shooting Chase Fowler, every bit Gabe's equal in bush and survival skills. Where do these characters come from? Gabe's probably just a culmination of people, the old fellows you meet out there and people you work with. And, you know, they're, they're good people at heart, but they've always been in their own circle and when they're exposed to something like they might have a very strong opinion on one thing so say refugees or asylum seekers for example until they actually meet someone and I'll stick my hand up and put myself in that boat because until I'd gone working on mines and FIFO and met a whole heap of people from all over the world and different cultures and things my views got fairly shifted fairly quick because like I say if you're not if you don't get out of that circle you don't really get to experience other people and their thoughts and reasons on why they might be doing something. So I wanted I wanted someone like Gabe to be put into that situation where he had to rethink a few things. Um, and, yeah, like I say, it's just a culmination of these fellows who have been out bush their entire life. They've got a multitude of skills, you know, jack of all trades, master of none, no tickets, no nothing like that. But they're very capable um, and they're very set in their ways. So, yeah, I just thought he'd be a good, good old fellow to have in a story. Uh, he certainly is. And Wild Dogs is a uniquely Australian story, but you go beyond that standard bush tale full of bush characters by introducing the character of Amin, a victim of a people smuggling racket. Amin is the character in the story that challenges Gabe's dogger lifestyle, if you like, and his way of thinking, which leads me to ask, is there a political dimension to this story that you want recognised? didn't set out like that, but if it makes people think, yeah, that's that's great. Geraldton had a, a load of asylum seekers rock up on the foreshore back in 2013, I think. I think it was like 60 people from Sri Lanka. They were trying to get to New Zealand and just turn right when they should have gone left, but they ended up on the foreshore and no one spotted them. And it sort of thrust the issue right into Geraldton's lap, more or less, and we sort of well, wonder what happened to them. They all got shipped back home, but and then the whole, you know, Manus Island and things and just recently with Dokovic being it's all a big arm up in arms about Dokovic being locked up but there's people being locked up in that hotel for years so while I didn't set out to write anything to provoke a discussion on anything really if that happens well great you know it's an unexpected side effect. You seem to have a really extraordinary eye for detail particularly the outback landscape and, and also the bush characters that inhabit it is that a consequence of your experience in that landscape? Things just stick with you, like just the way the air feels out there. When I'm out there, if, if like we went camping a couple of years ago, and you're just sitting there and it's dead silence. There's no clouds. You can see all the stars. There's no light pollution. And I think, oh, this is really nice. You know, it's just like a blanket sitting on you. Now, I didn't think of that, thinking, oh, that'd be a great line for a book. But when I was writing, trying to describe the scene, um, yeah, that came back to me. And I was trying, trying to imagine what it felt like. And it was just silence settling on you like a blanket, because it is. It is so quiet out there. Um and I can see why some people get freaked out when they get out there because if you've never experienced it before, you've grown up in a city or whether you can always see someone or something, yeah, it can be a little unsettling. So the idea of having a 
character like I mean out there on his own would be terrifying um so yeah I thought that'd be be a good little way to sort of get that across talking about Amin and Gabe and the way you talk about them and the way you place them in the landscape it it makes the whole story of wild dogs a really strong sensory experience is is that what the bush is for you and is that what you want it to bring to the story yeah it is I mean you, you drive out there in an air conditioned you, you open the door and you step out and it just smacks you in the face. Like, so it is, it's a sensory experience. Like, even talking about the silence, like, it is, it, it's just all around you. And then you can always hear the cicadas in the background or, or something going on, birds chirping and things. And it just, everything becomes amplified, all these things that you don't normally hear. Um, and yeah, like, you can, you'll hear a car, but it's miles away. So, and just the scents and the, like the smells and just everything like that. Like I've got to try to grow a garden here in Perth. So when I walk outside, I can smell that bush again, but it's not working. So, <laughs> And that idea of a sensory experience leads me to this other character in the book, if I can call it a character. It's almost an observer. And that's the role of the dingo. Um, he is a kind of observer of the action, if you like. And through my research, I discovered that you made some comments about the impact of wild dogs on grazing back in 2012 in an ABC online article. On one hand, the, the dingo is reviled by pastoralists for destroying um, flocks of sheep, whole flocks indeed. Uh, but despite that, you, you give this dingo a voice and a voice that reveals something like affection for the animal. Is that the case? Yeah, I mean, you've got to admire them. Like- we buggered up the balance when we came here and started sinking. Well, I actually say that in the book, Gabe tells someone, you know, we buggered up the balance when we rocked up and started sinking wells and putting permanent water in places and providing meals on four legs for them. Like, it's no wonder that there became a, a, a clash between the farmers and graziers and dingers. Like, I don't think they'll ever get wiped out because I'm pretty sure people have been trying for ages. But it's, there. I mean, there is a problem out there. Like, we, we suffered great losses from dogs and I'm pretty sure my ex-wife still is out there battling away with them. Um, I'm not sure what the solution is, but, yeah, but, I mean, they were there first and we've sort of moved in. So, I mean, a lot of grazers try and work with them because um, they same thing with the kangaroos, you know, like same thing. We've provided permanent water in spots where there wasn't. So now there's kangaroos where normally they'd just be moving through it as well as, you know, fences and things. So instead of becoming migratory, they, they sort of get locked into one spot. But... Yeah, I mean, you've absolutely got to admire the wildlife out there. How anything can survive out there without modern um, conveniences is quite amazing. Would you classify it as affection or respect? I think it'd be respect because I've seen what they can do and it's not pretty. So, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely respect. And it is it is an art form trapping dingoes or wild dogs because there is a difference between the two. Wild dogs are ones that have crossbred and bred up and whereas dingoes are your, your native species. Um, but no, there's a different respect. They are cunning and it, it is hard to trap. I never managed to trap one, but I went to a lot of courses trying to learn how, which is where the references in the book come from. And I'm sure if anyone who actually does it properly reads the book, they might go, no, hang on, that's not quite right. But yeah, I, I tried to get it reasonably accurate. Oh, it's certainly very convincing, that's for sure. That's the main thing. I hesitate to use the phrase quintessential outback Australian characters, but the dry humour, the, the use of language, even the unusual professions of your characters, including roo shooters and doggers, wild dogs seems to be especially expressive of that part of Western Australia and its people. Now, is there such a thing as a quintessential Australian story for you? 
don't think there really can be. I mean, it's such a huge country of such a wide range of climates and characters and people. I mean, you can, I mean, I noticed a difference just between the Eastern States in here when we're doing the edits, the way we talk, because I'd get queries back from the editor and she didn't know what something meant. And I was like, well, don't, doesn't everybody call it that? Like it was, it was really eye-opening just to how different we are all over the country. So to say it's a quintessential Australian story, I think is, it's very, very humbling and very nice to hear that. But I just don't know how you would describe that because like I say, there's such a wide range of views and everything across Australia. I mean, the, the climate is, the setting is definitely Australian. Like it's what people think of when they think of the outback. But I mean, the outback can be, you know, Kimberley's different to the Pilbara, which is different to the Murchison, which is different to the southeast, which is, yes, yeah, so it just goes on and on. This story, though it's entirely fictional, has a really strong ring of truth about it. And I get the feeling, Michael, that you couldn't have done anything else but tell an authentic Australian story. Is, is that the case? I try to be authentic um, because there's nothing worse than reading something written by someone who clearly doesn't understand what they're writing about because when you know what's when, like when you have done it and you read something like I I couldn't watch something like McLeod's Daughters because it would just it drove us to drink like we would be well that doesn't happen you can't do that well there's no way that and you know that's that sort of thing so I try and keep it as real as possible even though this story is gets quite hectic and I was struggling when I was writing and say, well, that wouldn't happen. You just go and call the cops. But then I had to have a reason why you wouldn't call the cops because to me that would not be, you'd have to have a real reason why you wouldn't call the cops or something like that. So, yeah, authenticity is is important to me. So I do try and get it right, but not down to the very detail. Like there'll be some gun nutter out there who'll go, well, that, the, the gun doesn't work like that. I'll say, well, that's not really crucial to the story. It's just, it's a detail. So, yeah. And that's one of the great things about this book, Michael. It's it's a thrilling read and really you're a great storyteller. So thank you for joining me on the Good no Reading Podcast. No worries. Thank you for having me. I've been talking to Michael Trant about his new book, Wild Dogs. It's published by Penguin Random House and is available at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. My name's Greg Dobbs and thanks for listening. This Good Reading Podcast was brought to you by Luxury Read. Why not spoil yourself or give the gift of a Luxury subscription today? Visit luxury.com.au to find out how.